for us to think about, all right? And that's what the Spirit of God uses to do His work, is His Word. We're going to see that this morning. And so that's all we want to do. Because a Christian life is a real life that real human beings live. And sometimes we think of Christianity in theological terms, which make it so remote from where we live that we believe this out here, and then again, as I said, we, we, have, we don't even know how to approach that, so we have a life over here that we live when we just are living, and then when we get to church with things over here, we think about it a different way. But then we walk back over there, and what we do over here doesn't, it doesn't relate over there, all right? Um, so anyway, um, we're trying to think through things, and again, not real elaborate. And we're on the subject of faith, and let me just say that uh, we are touching this much of faith and there's this much to be discussed so there's so many questions i could be leaving on i'm just on dutch but we start off by thinking about in the first day what john thinks faith really is all right what does he think it really is how does he describe it and he describes it primarily as believing all right we said there are two other phrases i'll get this part across two other phrases that he uses what's one of them we will get it. Okay, believe is the first one. All right, but these, there's two other ways he describes believing. Okay? It's early. First one is, come to me. Coming to Christ, to Christ. To believe him is to come to him. He who believes in me will never hunger. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. They're parallelisms. So that what it means to come to him is the same thing as what it means to believe in him. And we saw that that's important because faith is personal. It's not just you sitting with truth and trying to... You're coming to a person. Right? This morning, as we talk, and it's part of what I had to get clear in my own thinking as I'm going to minister. While we're talking, God's here. God's talking. <laughs> and and part of ministry, when I'm teaching people, you know, how do you minister the Word of God? Well, here's what you do. God's what the, who's the one is talking here. You want to say what He said. You don't want to take His Word and say something different than what He said. So as I'm studying the Word of God and as I I prepare a message, what I'm trying to find is what did He say? Because it's He's going to honor what He said, and He's right here to He wants to talk to your heart. He's going to go by that word. But it's personal. What I do with what I hear is a personal experience. I'm either, it's just like, um, if if my mother left me when I was a kid, instructions, I, and we're on a piece of paper, eh, that's, you know, you can kind of ignore the piece of paper. That's the way I was anyway. I could ignore the piece of paper. But when my mother was standing right there in front of me and saying, do this, um, I'm either going to do it or I'm going to say, fooey on you. You know, and I, I knew that. Now, again, I, however you want to look at it, but you say, well, I can't. No, I'm either going to say, yes, I'm going to respond to that person or I'm not. And uh, it's going to be a personal interaction, right? <laughs> There's going to be an interaction depending on what I do, right? And that, that's the way it is with God when we're coming here, we're thinking. You see, what what I say to you isn't terribly... Uh, you don't have to interact with me. This isn't between you and me, right? This is between you and the living God who is here. And that brings us to the third one. What was that third one? 
Anybody remember it? It's the beginning of the book of John. He came unto his own, and what happened? His own did not receive him. But to as many as did receive him, all right, he gave the authority to become sons of God. And because that's exactly parallel to everything else, he says, to believe is to receive him. What's that mean? It means that I hear what he says. Come to him just means you come to a person. That's what's emphasized there. But here it is. I'm listening to what he says, and then I I follow what he said. In the middle of the book of John, there was a place, it's in John chapter 6, where Jesus is speaking, and everybody's like, ooh, that's tough. That's tough. And a bunch of people who had been following him, they'd come to him, and they'd listened up to that point, said, you know what? That's more than we can... <laughs> I can't go with that. And they walked away. They walked away. And that's where you have that famous passage, which I think we had brought before us this week. When uh, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you going to go too? Are you going to go? You see, he can't hold them there. They have to stay there. They have to stay there because they've committed to it. And they said, what? Uh, where am I going to go? You're the only one that has words which lead to life. So we're going to stick with it even if we don't understand them and can't follow it. We're going to stick with it until you explain that to us. That's receiving him, all right? And that, that's what we have to do in faith. We, we receive him, which means I have to listen to what he said and, and then move on it. Yesterday, we were talking about one of the things he says. He stands up, it says on one day, and he says this. If any man thirsts, and what's the first thing we saw about that? Well, I've got to go real fast, but anyway, here we go. First thing we see about that is everybody's thirsty. We said that. Everybody's thirsty. When Jesus stands up and says that, it's not as if he's looking at a mob of people out there and saying, is there anybody out there who's thirsty? It's more like a salesman at the food court. Right? I don't know. They don't do that. They don't hawk stuff at the, at the food court. But when you go to the food court, now this is the way it used to be. I haven't been to one in forever. All right? So... I assume they're still out there and they still work the same way at the malls. You go in there and you're hungry. And over here, pizza and hamburgers, I'm just come and Chick-fil-A and uh, Cinnabons and um, uh, anyway, pretzels and Chinese food and all kinds of food. I don't know, Italian, whatever it is. And they're all there. And you're going to go and choose one of them, right? You can't, you can't eat all of that. Or maybe you can, but anyway, there's time I guess I could have, but, but I'm going to pick. And it's as if Jesus is standing there and he realizes everybody's hungry, but you're going to go different places. You, you're going to try to do something to, to satisfy that hunger. I want you to know if you're really hungry and you want to be satisfied, come to me, right? Come to me. All right. So and that, that's where he was yesterday because we, we said this. What God really wants for you is abundant life. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Right? Um, and I said, I don't want to go too far into that, but when I was growing up in the church, because I had the devil on my back and I had a lot of other things, what I thought was God was out there to see how much, he wanted to know if I loved him, and here's how he's going to find out he loved me. He's going to take everything that was worthwhile in life away from me. And once he took everything worthwhile away from me, he would see whether I loved him or not. You know? Because other people go to the movies and we didn't go to the movies and other people do this and we don't do that and other people are out playing golf and I'm, I'm at church on Sunday. And, I'm, I'm, 
This is God. This is the abundant. See, abundant life wouldn't have been in the picture. Right? Actually, my picture of heaven was really bad. It was kind of like an endless church service. Because that's where God was. And the only reason I wanted to go to heaven was the alternative was hell. And I'm just being honest. I wasn't thrilled about the idea of being in heaven. But I was really not thrilled about the idea of being in hell. So <laughs> this is, be- you know, no, I don't like squash, but if I'm going to starve to death, I'll eat the squash. All right? But God wants abundant life. When I finally came to the Lord, I found out that what he really was after was to satisfy your heart. Not satisfied as if it's satisfied and you're forever satisfied, but to have a continuous flow which meets the need day after day after day. So that's where we were yesterday. Now, um, and we, we said this, everybody's going to make a choice. When you hear that, when Jesus says that, you're going to do one of two things. It's just, this is where the big divides come. You're either going to go on and try to milk this life for, you know, milk your time on this earth for life. That's what people are out there doing. Get as much money as you can, be as popular as you can, have as many experiences as you can, fill out your bucket list, do all those things so I can get all the life I can before I croak. Well, I don't know what you use for it. For, anyway, before you die, all right? Because that's what the bucket list is about when you kick the bucket, all right? You want it to, you want it to be empty when you kick it, right? <laughs> I got it all done. Right? But that, that's one way to live, and that's where most people live. And then Jesus says, hey, there's a kind of life, and you come to me, let me direct your life, and I'll give you real life. And the difference between my life and that life is this. Here you're always going outside and trying to get it. And people are going to be in your way, and you're going to miss. And you'll come in second sometimes instead of first. You're going to not have the, the pleasure that you thought was going to have be pleasure. wasn't as much pleasure as it was, and it came with a whole lot of pain. Um, you're not going to be as brilliant as you thought you were going to be. You're not going to be as beautiful as you thought you were going to be. You're not going to be as personable as you thought you were going to be. You're not, people aren't going to respond. It's all outside and you don't have any control over that, right? And what's he say about life? This is, this is a big one. Get this one. We could stop it. I'm not going to. I'm going to put a life that comes from here. It comes from him, but I'm going to set it here so that nobody can take it away from you. That's what the Lord said. I have a joy that nobody can take from me because it's between me and my Father, and nobody has a chance to touch that. That's what God wants for you. Right? And he can give it. I want to say that. I can't prove that to you. I can just testify to it. The best move I ever made in my life was to give up on this world and come to him. It hasn't been an easy life. Right, John's life wasn't easy. Peter's life wasn't going to be easy. Paul's life wasn't easy, but it was abundant. It was abundant because you have that relationship with God. Now, I want to look at another verse today, another passage which I have talked on before, but I, I want to look at it again. It's in Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven is a great chapter on faith. Um, I want to just say this: um, Hebrews is a sermon. All right. Not most of the epistles, most of the letters in the New Testament are not really they're not really um, 
messages like it was preached. But this is, he says at the beginning, this is a word of exhortation. So the whole thing builds to a conclusion. The, he's at his conclusion. This is, this is the point when you know, you know, when I was a kid, when you would look at your watch and say, oh, good, he's finally got to the conclusion. We're going to get out of here. All right. So he's, he's going to finish it now. And it's important. So he said a lot of things. He's talked to us. So we can't ignore what's been said before when we're interpreting what's said here. He's come to this conclusion. He says that uh, in chap- end of chapter 10, uh, in verse 38, it says, But my righteous one shall live by faith. Now, I'm just going to get that much. My righteous one will live by faith. All right? That's what he said. That's going to happen. Now, in... In Romans and Galatians, Paul uses that phrase to teach us that we are justified by faith. But in Hebrews, he, he takes the thought and he says that this is, this is also involved in this. That every day in my life, it's to be by faith. Paul says an unnerving thing. This it unnerves me. It did when I was first looking at it and I thought, well, boy, and it still is a little bit challenging. Paul says this, anything which is not of faith is sin. Oh, that's bleak. Anytime that I'm not trusting. And, and that's because I have to live by faith. I have to live everything. I don't only have to become a Christian by faith, but I have to continue to live by faith. And that's what God is after in your life. He's after that you should live by faith. Everything should be of faith. Now, I don't have time right now to explain how that's all true. But it means that everything that I'm doing is a response to the person of Christ and what he said to me. Okay? Now, that's the goal. That's where we're aiming, and that's what the writer, but we're not there, but we have to try to move towards that. And so that's, that's the subject of chapter 11, how men lived by faith, not how they became Christians, but how they lived. And so we have the story of Abraham, how he lived through his life, how Moses lived through his life. Well, one of the characters that he brings up here is, is, is one of my favorite characters because it simplifies things. I like simplicity because I'm so complex in my mind, right? And I can muddy something up to the point where who knows what he's trying to say as I think about this aspect and this aspect and this aspect and this aspect. It's just the way my mind works, right? So I look at that paneling back there, and I'm thinking about all the nails that I had to put in the wall to get that paneling to stick up there. The cuts you had to make. Is this right? Is this? The paneling's there. It's paneling. All right? And you can get that way in the Christian life. You can look at so many details in it. I mean, you preach about so many details that finally people get so confused, they say, I quit. Right? There's a simplicity to this. Now, here's this character. His name is Enoch. All right? He comes up in this chapter... And the interesting thing about Enoch is in the Word of God, we know almost nothing about Enoch. Why does he come up in the chapter? Because he did one thing. Anybody know what to have? If you've been around, you've heard me speak, you know what it is. What did Enoch do? He walked with God. Boy, does that make the complicated simple. Right? He just walked with God. How about that? Which means that every day he got up and he lived with God. Do you know that's all you have to do the rest of your life? That's a Christian life. You just live with God. Now, I, I say that because, um, and, and it's important to me, because we're Americans, most of us are Americans, I think. Again, you're close. Anyway, you've lived in this American culture. 
American culture is, everything is about building to a future, right? About building to a future. And I've gone over that many times. I, I learned it when I was a little kid, five years of old, or six years of age, I know. I, I got money from my grandmother at, at my birthday. And my mother took it from me. No, she took it for me. Not from me, for me. And that money that was a gift to me went into the bank. Because someday, and you, you know how far college is from a six-year-old? That's an eternity away. But someday you're going to have to go to college and we're going to take this and we're going to put it aside for college. Well, that's fun. You see, and all the way through my youth, it was always, you're doing this because you want to be this here. Life was always way out there, right? You're always getting ready for life, getting ready for life, preparing for it. When do we do the living part? Right? When do we do the living part? And I didn't have any money, and I remember this, and I got to the place where my dad put me to work. Right? He put me to work on a construction job, and I went there. And so now I worked, and I worked a long time on it, and I got this money. And then I thought, this is a, this is a trap. Life is a trap. Before, I couldn't do anything because I didn't have any money. Now I've got money and I don't have time to do anything. All right? And I looked at life ahead. I thought, this is terrible. This is terrible. But we're always preparing. We're preparing. We're preparing. We're preparing. I had just gotten married. And some people wanted me to buy a life insurance policy to prepare for when I retired. I'm going, like, I haven't even started my career yet. And you want to get me ready for when I retire or if I die. Going like this is bleak. That's America, right? Right. I'm, I'm told. Now I'm not real familiar. So those that are familiar with South America in in detail, they told them South American culture is a whole lot easier. Let's let's redeem today. <laughs> let's have a good time today. Now there's dangers to that, but let's just okay, just live today. Now I won't say this. If you let God work in your life. You're going to move into today because that's where life is. You're living today. It's the only day you have control over, right? And what did Enoch do in it? He walked with God. That's all he did. And if you just walk with God today and then do that again tomorrow and do that again tomorrow, you'll get before God in the end and it'll be fruitful. Right? We want to plan. As we want to be the big man in something. I've got to produce something in my life. All I have to do is walk with God. It's a peaceful life. Now, back to our point. We want to read. We're not thinking about it. Enoch is the, is the person who walked with God. Now, the writer of Hebrews says this. Enoch pleased God. Enoch pleased him. Right? And that's what leads up to verse 6, which is well-known verse. It says, and without faith, what? Somebody read there. Think about it there. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He said Enoch did. But he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, I want to say something about that, that, that you've got to get this correct because we don't want to mess up our theology. Um, there is nothing you can do to earn the favor of God. There is nothing you can do. Before a person is a Christian, there's nothing you can do. That's, that's part of our, our gospel message. You are completely separate from God, and there is no way you can bridge the gap. Nothing. Zero. You can't love Him enough. You can't serve Him enough. So when we say that 
uh, without faith, uh, that uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We are saying that it is possible to please him if you do have faith. But when we're saying you yeah, please him, we're not saying you can earn his favor. When God saw man fall, and again, this is not totally accurate, but it's, it's pretty close. He then made a plan. The plan was already there, but he, he, he starts working out a plan to bring him back. And, that, and the fact that I know God today is all because he made a plan and came and got me. All right? But I still have to live by faith. That's the, the interesting thing. I still have to do that. I have to respond to what he's doing. But he, makes, he brings that to pass. See, when it says that God is pleased by faith, it's very similar to some of you. Again, I'm sure that there are artists, there are uh, cooks, uh, chefs, chefs. All right. Um, there are um, people that, that have talents. You do things with your hands, right? Some of you do that, right? Okay. And when you get done, one of two things happens when you do things with your hands. What was that? Yuck. Bad job. All right. That's embarrassing. Hide that. All right. Or you say, that's good. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. I'm not very good with a grill. So I got this griddle. All right. I got this griddle. I love that griddle. All right. I'm no chef whatsoever. All right. But I like smash burgers. And so I get this this meat and I get on this 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 thing, and I take this lump of and flip it over, and I eat it, and I say, that's good. That's good. That's what I was after, right? I'm pleased. How much did the meat contribute to that? How much did my iron thing contribute to it? You see, I'm not pleased because the iron thing jumped up on top of the hamburger and smashed it into the, into the griddle, Right? I am not thankful that the, the pepper and the salt jumped out of the, and, and combined together. And I step back here and say, wow, what a wonderful thing they have created. They didn't create it. All right, that's arrogant. They say, who created it? I created it. I brought it to pass. But when I see what I was after brought to pass, I say, that's good. All right. Thankfully, they were good. <laughs> Meat's expensive. If you say, yuck, uh, that's bad, isn't it? All right? But I've, I've made a lot of things where you're going like, hmm, I don't think I'll feed that to anybody. <laughs> it really would have been good if I would have remembered to put that in. <laughs> you know. Anyway, point being, when God says that without faith it's impossible to please him, you can please God by faith. It's because when he sees faith, he sees the work of his hands coming to pass. That's what he's after in you, to trust him. Because what does faith do? And that's where we want to go to the next part in this, this verse. We've got to go fast. And without faith, it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God. See, what does faith do for you? According to the verse. Brings you to God. Right? Brings you to God. That's why he said yesterday, if any man thirsts, what? Come to me. Because right out there, there is there's all kinds of stuff. If any man thirsts, let him look at this stuff on the internet. If any man's thirsty, let him seek for a relationship. If any man's thirsty, let him get an education. If any man's thirsty, let him have a business. If any man's thirsty, uh, whatever. You know, there's all kinds of things out there saying, if you're thirsty, come here. 
right? God says, if you're thirsty, come to me. And when you come to him, that's an act of faith because you have determined. That's the faith is this. You've said, I believe certain things about what you've said, and I'm going to trust you, right? That pleases God. So he says, if he who comes to God must believe, all right? And there's two things here that are important. He must believe that he is, all right? Now, I'm thinking about today, what I want to go over is some of the reasons why you might back off of what we said yesterday. Because I know that there's, there's pressure on you. I know there is. I was there once. It took me three years between when God first started really working in my life to where I was willing to say, okay, you can have it. That took me three years, right? That's because I had been duped enough times in life. You know, duped. Somebody says, yeah, this is the greatest. Take this pill and you're gonna, your muscles are going to grow. And you take the pill and your muscles don't grow. They're still, I'm very skinny. All right. I only weighed 150 pounds in high school. And I was still as tall. Well, I was actually taller. I'm, I'm moving back to the earth. But anyway, <laughs> that time. And, you know, and in my high school, strength was everything. You know, a football team. There were 3,000 kids in my high school. So <laughs> we had a great football team. And I was skinny. You know, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't make a good water boy. All right. Do this and you'll get there, but you don't do this and it doesn't get there. All right. And I was really suspicious about Christianity. And I want to say, if you are suspicious about Christianity, I understand why you're suspicious. Because there are a whole lot of people said a whole lot of things and I didn't quite see it. And then I thought, and I used the phrase, I thought, we all sit here and we talk each other into it. It's smoke and mirrors. <laughs> we're, we're telling each other it's true, but it's not true. And he always says this, the Bible says this, he says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now, that's, last week I read a, an article that said that a new poll has come out and they were bemoaning the fact that the United States has moved away from God. And I thought, oh boy, this is terrible. What, what's it going to be? Because I, I kind of know that, but anyway. But in this poll, they said, we've moved down to the place where only 80% of the people in the United States believe in God. I thought, well, that's pretty good, actually. That's down from 90%. See, so it's a drop, and they were bemoaning us. But 8 out of 10 people say they, they believe in God, and that's not what the writer is talking about. Right? See, when he says God here, he's, this is a guy who started off by saying this. God, who had passed times in a lot of different ways, spoke to us in prophets in these last days. That, that's when Jesus came, spoke to us in his son so that we could know him. In the chapter 2, he says this. Since you've heard these things, be careful not to let them slip out of your mind. But what have they heard? They've heard who God is. All right. They've heard. That's the word of God. Okay, they've heard that. So when he says you must believe that he is, you have to believe that he is the God that is revealed because every God that you have, every concept of God that you have that didn't come from this is inaccurate and it it messes up your life, right? It does. You see, if I listen to this, say chapter one of the book of Genesis, what kind of a God is described there? Powerful God. Is your God powerful? Well, 
practically speaking, if you don't look at that, it doesn't look like God's powerful because it looks like hurricanes are bigger than God, right? Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he save people well, from hurricanes? I'm talking about hurricanes. Why does he let disease go on? Why does he do all these things? If you don't listen to what he says, then you're going to come with, up with a God who is pretty mean God, right? If you compare, if you start constructing what you believe about God from the people you've known, oh boy, you're going to have trouble. Because people aren't the nicest creatures alive. Some of them are, I admit that. It's a terrible thing to say in this day. But I have a constant, I have to do this constantly. I've, I've worked with young people all my life. How many times have I had to help somebody through this thought? The Bible says that God's my father. You don't know my father. And what they're doing is they're saying, I know God as father through my father. No, you know God as father through this word. Does that make sense? It's real important. So when he says that you have to believe that he is, you have to believe he's the God that is revealed here. This is who he is. Right? Now, if you're having a problem with that, if you don't know, I don't know whether God's true or not, real or not, is he out there? This is the way he has communicated it. So I'm just going to say, if you're in that condition, here's what I would suggest you do. There's all kinds of apologetic stuff, and you can go read that, but get in the New Testament and just read it. I'm real confident about that. Because this word is the way God reveals himself. If this doesn't work, you're not going to come. There's nothing I can do for you. Because the Spirit of God takes his word to bring you to himself. All right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And then God speaks his word through Jesus Christ. And we have it. And when we have it, that's God talking to us. So if you're having trouble, all I'm saying is, and you really want to know God, you want to know, is it true or is it not true? Listen to the word of God. See, that's what I did for three years. I listened to people. And I listened to that word. And I was in that word for three years. And I was asking this question, is it real or is it not real? Is it not real or is it not real? It is real. All right, now, it says he, he must believe that he is. All right, and then comes this next one. I want to, again, I've got a few minutes because there's some other problems. Here's another one. It says you must believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. This is huge. This is huge. Because every one of you is going to be Tempted. I mean, this is the temptation. This is what goes on. It's not like you're a unique group. It's what we all want. Because while Jesus is saying, if you're thirsty, come to me, as we said earlier, what is it? There's a world out there that says, if you're thirsty, do this. If you're thirsty, do this. If this is true of you, or if you want to really live, I don't know, whatever. Now, question comes. Is seeking him worth it? That's the thing. And the issue is this. Will you get what you're after? Right? He who comes to him must believe that he is and what? That he rewards those who seek him. Right? That he will reward those who seek him. Now, there's nothing. All those other people are shouting. You may or may not get it. All right? We've said many times, it was a talk to kids, somebody will win the Olympic gold medal, but a whole lot of people who try are not going to make it. 
There's a whole lot that are going to come in second, and they're not going to stand there. They're never going to have that experience. And if life is in that, one guy gets it, and the rest all walk away. All right? And so the question could would come to me when I'm young, and I'm thinking about because you always get enthused, right? You watch a you watch an NBA game, and then you want to go out and shoot baskets, and I'm going to be a basketball player too, even though I'm skinny and short and uncoordinated, right? But you know very well that your chances of being there are very slim, very slim. All right. And so you might start the regimen of trying to prepare for that, or you might be like me and say, they're at any point. And me getting up at five o'clock and doing all this to try to prepare for something which there's no hope of winning in the end. All right. When you come to this this thought about you come to God, you got your chance to know God, you have to be convinced at the beginning that there's a point to doing this that you're going to have an end. Let me say two things. Here's the first one that comes up. Some people are going to say in their mind, This is for other people, not for me. It's in other words, God doesn't care about me. He just doesn't care about me. And if I give myself to this, I'm going to miss this world and that world too. Right? Again, I don't know who you are, but I know that there's a whole lot of people who go through that. Because then I will just give up everything that this earth has to, in order to seek this, and I won't get there. Right? I want to say this morning, the Word of God is crystal clear. There is no reason why God likes any of us, except that he does. All right? One of the reasons that you have that thought is, and a lot of people have that thought, is they don't have what that world out there wants them to have in order to be significant. Nobody out there would pick them for their team. All right? Whatever. They're not smart enough. They're not attractive enough. They don't have enough money. You know, you get left out. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been left out, but you've been, lots of people been left out. But God didn't pick me because I'm smart. He didn't pick me because I'm, <laughs> I was ever beautiful, handsome, uh, attractive, or personable. You know that. <laughs> it isn't that much. It's not that much to work with. All right? I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't a great anything. All right? Just an average person. Why do you pick me? I don't know. But it had nothing to do with that. And he says to me, comes to me one day and says, seek my face. Do it. Why did he say that? I don't know why he said it, but I can do it. And he doesn't accept me because of anything I can be. This is a big problem to me at the very beginning because I thought God would go out and choose people who he could use in his kingdom. Right? Does he ever get that thought? That he's looking for people who he can reveal himself to so that they can be used in his kingdom. No. What does he really want from you? It's the only person you're ever going to hear that, that this is the way it is. He wants you. He wants you fully knowing who you are. He knows all about who you are. When I came to the Lord, he knew all about the sins that I committed on a daily basis that were really gross. Things that I was challenged one day. Here, try this one. And then you can find out how, how proud we really are. 
guy said to me, if you want to want to deal with sin, do this. Cut a piece of paper and write down on it exactly what you did. Boy, is that a painful experience. He says, don't, don't color it. Don't, 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 don't use it with a sort of a, uh, I lusted. <laughs> Let's get down to business. What did you do? See, I have, I have, again, this is maybe, I don't want to get into sin stuff, but I had to write that. I went to a place and got a magazine. And I sat and I looked at it. And I thought all kinds of gross thoughts. See, when you write that on a piece of paper, see, even saying it's not that hard. It's kind of hard, but it's not that hard. I betrayed my friend. I said, and this is what I said. See, we have a tendency to say when I when I said nasty things to people, well, what I really said was, no, what you said was, what you did was turned your back on them when they needed you. Write that down. Write that down. All right. God knew all about it. Why do I what what was the value of writing it down? Now I face what God has to face every day about my life. And yet even knowing that these are the things that I did. Here it is. And it's worse than I could write down. He said, okay, seek me. Seek my faith. Do it. All right? It's open to everybody. If you don't get to know God, it will not be because God doesn't like you. All right? It will be because you said no. It's that simple. I said, no, that's not what I want. So I, I, I bring before people. There are all kinds of ways people can sin, but those sins aren't the things that take them to hell. Hell is the place where God doesn't reveal himself. And all hell will be in one sense. It's not all. This is not is God giving people what they wanted. They don't want to know God. OK, I'll go. I'll put you in a place. Where I will withdraw my presence. You see, we, God is he's blessing this earth, but he'll withdraw it completely and all the blessing goes. What a terrible place. Because there's no joy, there's no peace. All those things that we heard about last night, the fruit of the Spirit, none of it's there. And all you got is the ugliness of sin. Okay, that's what you wanted. But they'll be there, not because they sinned in all the gross ways you can sin, but because when God offered them a chance to know him, they said, no, that's not what I want. God says, okay, all right? You must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to say a second one because we're going to run out of time here, and I want to, want to make sure. So if you've got any question about whether God's making this offer to you, again, go and read it. It's completely, if any man there, anyone, and the man there, it says in man and some, it's not males. It is if any human being, if there's anyone out there who thirsts, let him come. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care what kind of pile of trash you think you are. If you're thirsty, and you are, come and drink. I'm going to give it to you. Okay, next one I want to say is this. Some people back off because they say, you know what? I could never keep that up. I could never keep that up. It'd be great to start it, but I don't know. Because when you start this this race, you're a pile of trash. How about that? 
I've, I've told the story many times. But again, I just I think this is where we're at. I talked to Mr. Johnson. He, he and I were roommates at college. I said, I've got to stop this stuff. We were going to all these prayer meetings and we we're going to all this stuff. I said, see, I didn't know the Lord yet. I was still pretending. I came to him one day and I said, you know what? You just got to face the fact I'm not the spiritual type. <laughs> it's just, I don't care about this stuff. How am I going to keep it up? This search for God. Well, when you start, you don't have anything to keep it up with. Because you're a pile of trash. If you had something in there to keep it up, then you wouldn't be as messed up as you are. And you are totally messed up. I am totally messed up. God has to start all over again. But here's part of the book of Hebrews I want you to note. If you'll read back through there. Part of what this book says is that the Lord Jesus Christ came to come get you. All you have to do is respond and he'll do all the work. See, if you see a person who has followed the Lord for many years, the reason they followed the Lord for a long time is because they were kept by the power of God. There is a one who's praying for me. There's one who's praying for me. That's what chapter 7 says. He's able to save to the last degree those that come to God by him because he continuously prays for them. He's always alive, making intercession. He's involved with my life today. He's involved with every person in this room who has come to him. He's involved in your life, and he'll see it through. In chapter 8, he says this, that there's a covenant that God made. Here's the covenant that I will write my law on their heart, and they will get to know me. See, I didn't have the law in my heart. That's why I'm spiritual. But if I am changed today, it isn't because I was a good boy and did all the right things. It's because there was a God who fulfilled his promise. That if I come to him and commit myself to him, he will do the work. He will make, he'll write that law in my heart. He'll change me to that, right? He says, yeah, but you don't know I'm going to sin. Chapter 9 and 10, chapters 9 and 10 say this, that... He's going to make a provision, and he has made a provision, so that every time I mess up as I'm learning my way towards God, it can be washed out of the way. Don't let God, or don't let the enemy talk you out of committing because you're afraid you won't make it to the end. All you have to do is live well today. That's what it comes down to. You don't have to worry about what happens. <gasps> what will happen in 20 years? I don't care what happens in 20 years. In one sense, I don't care what happens tomorrow because life is today. Life is in this session right now. This is where the Spirit of God is at work, right here, right now. If I do well here, then this afternoon or when I have the next thing to do, well, then I can do that, right? Enoch walked with God. You're right beside somebody. Try walking with somebody ahead of them, behind them. You know, if you walk with them, you got to go at the same pace. If you're going to jog, then you can jog together. And the great part of all this, I want to say, is that I get to know God. And you remember what we heard last night? Fruitfulness comes. But fruitfulness doesn't come because I do great works. It comes because what? I abide in Him. I just walk with God. You get to know God, and then He uses you. You don't have to organize the kingdom of God. He's, he's the Lord of the harvest. I don't have to build a church. Jesus is building a church. I don't have to try to design great messages. The Lord has all this stuff out here. All I have to do is what? Walk with God. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And what you get to get out of life is what? 
you get to know God. Think about it. There's what it is. That's the promise. That's the promise he makes. I don't make it. I don't fulfill it. But he will fulfill it if you will come. All right. Let's pray. Father, we're coming and asking you to do that deep work in us. Father, meet us where we are at. We thank you that you draw us and meet us and strengthen us, both to will and to do of your own good pleasure. Bring it to pass in each one of us, and we're trusting you for it. We would pray in Jesus' name. Amen.